Hey there, welcome along. It's a Shoot Got Real podcast, season two, episode eight. I'm Tom English. Uh, we are gearing up for round eight of the Charterhawk Shoot Shield. It is going to be a big round, a few games that might play a part in the makeup of the finals. Gordon take on Warringah, Ranwick and South do battle, Manly and Norths as well. And I think two Blues and West Harbour could be pretty competitive as well. Because it's a big round, we've got a big show coming your way. We have got Nick Wasiliev of Green and Gold Rugby coming on to tip in just a second. But first, the Hunter Wildfires head coach, Bubba Coleman. Joining us this week on the Shoot Got Real podcast is Scott Coleman, coach of the Wildfires. Welcome. Yes, thank you very much. And yeah, it's an honour. Let's start with the game on the weekend. You had a really, really good start. You're up 10-0 after five minutes, something like that. Um, stayed with them the whole game. And then you had that yellow card with, I think, 13 minutes to go or something around those lines, where that kind of derailed the game for you. How did, how did you sort of view that in the game in general? Yeah, definitely. We'd uh, we planned pretty well for East and we thought we'd done our homework good mm. enough. Yeah, they're a very good side. We started well. As you said, we got out the 10-0. Then we kind of made a few silly mistakes and fell asleep. Like off one of our, the try that we scored, we dropped it off the kickoff, got them back into the game. They scored. Yeah, then they got on a roll and got up to 21-10. Yeah, then from there, we're playing a bit of catch-up. We got back to... I think it was 35-29 at one stage with about yeah, 16 minutes to go. And, yeah, we got the yellow card as mm. well as our scrum got under a little bit of pressure. We, the referee seen a picture where it was our tight head going down rather than their loose head hinging. But, yeah, that's we've got to paint a better picture there. So, yeah, it was a bit unlucky, but it just seems like deja vu for us at the moment. We seem to be competing in thereabouts, but we just can't get the win yet. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Like every person I've spoken to so far, um, if they've played you, they kind of single you out. And if they haven't, I might say, you know, who do you, who do you think might be a dark horse this year? And they then they kind of point you guys out. So everyone's expecting you guys to be a threat. Uh, it doesn't give you much help if you're trying to, you know, ambush a team and they're sending their absolute <laughs> number one 15. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the ambushes are definitely gone now. That's for sure. People have seen enough. And all coaches do their homework and watch other teams' games now. So, yeah, everyone knows that we've got a, a few danger men and some good players there. But, so yeah, we've just got to compete and compete for 80 minutes, which we aren't doing at the moment. You had some really good players on the weekend. Um, Joseva Tamani had the game of his life. Um, question, is he, um, so, someone asked this, and I know the spelling's slightly different. Is he related at all to Lepetti Tamani? Uh, no, I don't believe so, but I can't honestly answer it. He hasn't mm. mentioned it. Uh, true. No, I'm just sure. But he, he was very good on the weekend, as well as um, guys like Olahua on Noah. I might have butchered his name there. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Elijah. Th- th- those yeah. guys have been pretty instrumental um, to you guys this year. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, OJ, Noah, and um, Nate, they've been yeah, exceptional. Same as Kurt Tafunga, um, Naru Jones. Like they're all playing some really good football and competing with the best of them. Leon Fuka Fuka. Yeah, he's a big halfback, but he's getting out when he squares up. He opens up some holes off the edge of that ruck for a couple of our really big forwards to run through. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask about him. You know, he's, he's a pretty big recruit, having played all those games for Tonga, I think it is. Um, how did how did you yep. go about getting him on board? Did he reach out to you? Did you go after him? No, we actually went through a recruitment agency, and um, yeah, he Matt Bressens. Um, yeah, they've 
a lot of the players come through him. He was one of the only other eight, one of the only agents that actually got back to us when we wrote to a lot of them. Yeah, uh, he deals he deals with a lot of shoot shield players. So yeah, just come about with that. And obviously, once you get into a communication thing with the players and you talk a little bit and show a little bit about Newcastle, it becomes a bit of an easy sell. Did you, did you find it easier um, to kind of get recruits when you've got? I guess you could call them a big name like that on board. Ah, uh, yeah, definitely. We had to. We went hard early. We got Leon and Henry Stowers who unfortunately hasn't played too many games with us. He got drafted into the Brumbies after three games. Yep. Uh, and we haven't seen him since. Um, and actually, on a side note, yeah, Joe Tamani actually just got – he's down with the uh, Waratahs this week. Right. So he's just – yeah, he's been just drafted in on an injury training contract So as a cover there. So he's – looks like, yeah, he might finish the last three weeks with the Waratah, which is great for him and it's great for our organisation, giving yeah, yeah. guys pathway into that that avenue. Do, do you find there's, um, do, does it kind of uh, work both ways? Do you, do, do you get like a bit of goodwill from the Waratahs? Will they kind of say, Hey, we might send, you know, X new recruit up your way to play <laughs> your, their club rugby or, you know? Yeah. I'd, I'd hope to think so, but I'm not going to hold my breath. That's for sure. We're very new. We've got to prove our worth and yeah, we've got a lot of work to do still on and off the field to hopefully reap those kind of benefits. In saying that, it's pretty hard as well geographically. Like Newcastle, when they got to duck down for training, is a fair trip. So yeah. yeah, we're not sure how that'll work. But when the Waratahs rang us and asked, we we said it's got nothing to do with us. If the player wants to go, we'll release them. Yeah. That's what we're here for, and we want to help players strive to that next level. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you expect to get those players back at all when Super Rugby kind of concludes? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Henry's got another two weeks and he's looking forward to coming back to Newcastle. He uh, He's on our group chat quite regularly and sending photos and best wishes and everything from New Zealand at the moment. But he's yeah, looking good. forward to get back and playing with us. Uh, Joe travels down for training at the moment, so he's back with our training of a night time and Obviously, we're not got him doing anything. He's just showing his face, and yeah, he's really excited. Obviously, with the opportunity he's got, which thrives for the rest of our training group and playing group. Uh, well, it's the second time around for you guys. Does that make it easier? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we we know we we knew a little bit more. I wouldn't say we've uh, conquered or done it well. Mm. In saying second time around, like the first time was definitely just a exhibition. We didn't do any planning or anything into it. And this year, we obviously got a bit more planning. We did a lot more recruiting, which was good. But we still didn't get the final go ahead from our local zone, the NHRU, the Hunter Rugby, until the end of February. So. That cost us quite a lot with our cult system and our cult players because we lost a lot of eight. We lost another eight players to Sydney from last year's cults wow. that could have been in this year's cults just because I couldn't give them the commitment that we're in yet. So yeah, hopefully next year we know when we're in and yeah we can plan ahead and put a proper program together. I remember um, reading, I think, uh, when you guys were starting out, yeah, last year that, you know, there was a bit of opposition up there with your local club side. They kind of viewed it as being detrimental. Um, Have they come around now or are they still a little bit distant? Oh, there's pros and cons every way you look at it. And I I definitely see their points of view as well. They think Mm. that we're weakening the local comp here. 
Oh, yeah, and and if you look at it selfishly, like for the local club, or if I look at it selfishly for the wildfires, there's all different avenues you can look at it. But yep. at the end of the day, I believe it's the right thing and the best thing for the Newcastle Hunter as far as it's going to attract players in the future. Yeah, we'll take a bit of short-term loss for the next one or two years, but eventually our under-18s kids that are coming through to Colts don't have to go to Sydney. They stay in the area. They stay connected to their clubs Mm. as well as there's a lot of kids playing in Shoot Shield from the country. And I'm sure if you ask them, they'd rather live in Newcastle than Sydney if they can get the same opportunity. Last year, I think I spoke to Bill Clifton, who I think at the time was the president of the NHRU. I asked him how um expected to go in the shoot shield and he suggested kind of a finals kind of finals was your goal uh that's what he seemed yeah. to think was realistic this time around how, how do you view it do, do you sort of see finals as being achievable yeah most definitely we we sat down at the start of the year with all our camps and things like that and that's what we aimed out for mm. you play football to be in the finals that's for sure we haven't had many games go our way yet yeah we're not riding ourselves off for that final spot the, obviously the top three have cleared out a little bit and there's a bit of a gap mm. but yeah there's still some doors open there if we can start to get a run together and a lot of the teams we've got still yet to play are fighting for those positions as well so we've still got destiny in our own hands and only ourselves to blame if we don't get there eastward this weekend um I think that's a winnable game after, you know, kind of the way you went against East. How, how do you go about winning it? Yeah, definitely. They're a, they're a very good side at Eastwood as well, which is always hard for anyone to win there. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, we've got to match them up front. We've, it's really opened our eyes up that if your platform set piece isn't right, you're not going to win the game at shoot shield level. So we've got to match them in the forwards and match it at set piece. And then, uh, yeah, limit our mistakes. We're letting teams off easy when we get a bit of pressure on them with our own unforced mistakes. So if we can be patient with the ball, we've got enough X factor that can score tries. Scott Common, thank you for your time. No problem. Thank you very much. Good of Bubba to come on the show. I really love what he's doing with the Hunter Wildfires. I think they're going to be an absolute force as the year goes on. Before we move on, just a little bit of team news for you. The teams came through today. We'll start with the big game this round. Gordon, they've got a couple of changes. James Luff is back from injury. That's a huge in for them. Pushers Ola Tawalangi from six to five. He moves into the second row and Brendan Mitchell drops out. Reese McDonald also back. That is a huge in for them, but that means uh, you won't see Navare Hasila Lukatui. Waringa uh, have had a few changes. Their scrum got absolutely dominated versus Uni. So they've changed up their front row. They've kept their hooker, but now Rory O'Connor is back and Sateki Latu is in as well. Dropping out, Harrison Courtney and Sam Needs. You won't see them. Two other changes. Viliami Lee in for Charlie Tupu at 11. And Harry Anderson-Brown takes over from Rhett Butler at halfback. Manly made just a couple of changes. Kiannan Raby in for Tao Koloa Matangi. And George Noah is in for Ben Wood as well. For Norse, Henrik Brendel is in for Gary Bortz, who was named in last week's team list. Max Bury starts at 10, which is really interesting, instead of Angus Sinclair, who was named last week, didn't end up playing, if memory serves. Connor Winchester, he moves to fullback in place of Max Bury, and Harry Cardmore gets an opportunity on the wing. Souths, Jake Douglas out. Philip Potgeter moves from... Number eight to the second row makes room for Angus Allen and Sam Tabua Tamata has been named as moving from the wing to the back row, which is very strange. Uh, with Dominic McGrath out, apparently that's what they're going with, Souths. 
Viliami Latu also into the side. Ranwick, a couple of changes. Chris Eves in for Deck Leaney. Alex Hills in for Tom Nolan in the pack. Dan O'Brien for Zach Carr and Kristen Jensen in the centres for Ranwick. Olahuan Noah and Joseva Tamani, we called them out with our chat with Scott Coleman as being both standouts last week. Um, neither of them are going to play this weekend. Tamani's been called into the Waratahs squad, as we mentioned, and Noah we don't know about. Jordan Magnet, Joe Bassa take their place. Abeli Atunasia in for Hamish McKee at 14. And Will Luesi is in for Tom Watson at 13. Eastwood, not really applicable. They are off the bye. Two Blues, Solo Vosakaki in for Saul Lima. And Philip Pale is in for Uppy Berra at 11. Just a couple of changes there. West Harbour and Cam Beatham is in for Sione Murphy. They've kind of switched spots throughout the year. Graham Kolomalu is in for Joseva Vinisa as well. Seth Penny-Ueta in at seven for Penrith, while Matthew Feo-Agali moves to eight. Eastern Suburbs, just a couple of changes for them. Vunapola for Fida in at three for Khalifi Pongi, and Will Nichols is in for Jack Digby at five. It's all up on our Facebook page at Shoot Got Real. Now, Nick Wasiliev from Green and Gold Rugby. Uh, we had him on a couple of weeks ago. Looks like we didn't scare him off too much. He's agreed to come back on and give us his tips for round eight of the Shoot Shield. Now, the audio uh, for some parts of our chat is a little bit scratchy, but um, don't freak out if you come across a bit where you kind of go, oh, that's kind of unlistenable. Just skip forward 30 seconds and you'll be sweet. Anyway, here's me catching up with Nick a earlier on in the week. And joining us again on the Shit Got Real podcast is Nick Wasiliev. Uh, welcome. Cheers, mate. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Glad to be here. It's been a couple of weeks. I think we got you on maybe a fortnight ago. Since then, kind of who's impressed you um, in the Shit Shield, I, I guess, other than Sydney Uni? Yeah, it's uh, well, it is. It's it's impossible not to go through uh, look look at the results and not be cons- consistently struck out by how impressive Uni have been. I have been uh, interested in uh, in terms of Eastwood, in terms of their attack, this um the the approach that they've been taking to their attack. If it wasn't for the fact that their defence has been a bit of a leaky vessel, I reckon they would be uh, a lot higher up than what they are. Yeah. Um, but the other team also has really impressed me is being uh, Northern Suburbs. You know, I think at the moment, considering how well Uni are performing, they're the only team that is realistically uh, going, looking like catching ca- catching the students right now, which means it'll be a really interesting clash when they uh, when they go head to head. So those are the two teams that are really sticking out for me at the moment. Yeah, agreed. I think uh, they, they are kind of the front runners at this stage of the season. There have been a couple of other, you know, sort of interesting teams, as, as you mentioned, like, you know, your Eastwood and your Warringa. Um, Warringa looked pretty severely um, humbled on the weekend, let's let's call it, against City Uni. Let, let's, let's get into some tipping. We'll start with the easy games and we'll progressively get harder. Penrith and Eastern Suburbs at Nepean. Yeah. Penrith weren't all that bad on the weekend and they haven't been all that bad the last few weeks, but I can't see them getting it done over Eastern Suburbs. What are your thoughts? Well, at the moment, so there's a, there's, there's a couple of teams right now that are a bit Jekyll and Hyde. So some weeks they turn up and put on a great show, and there are mm. some weeks that have been uh, thoroughly shown up. And Eastern Suburbs at the moment for me is one of them. So, like, I, I, I would still pick Eastern Suburbs for this game because, I mean, even despite that, I think Penrith are, are still, you know, despite the, they've had a lot of moments, that they have been competitive, which is really great to see. But yeah. Um, in terms of that depth and just playing a full 80-minute game, that is kind of where they're lacking. But I wouldn't say that they're uh, compared to other games that they've that they've played this season. They're totally, uh, it's totally unfeasible that they won't at least make a match of it. Especially if you have the likes of you know your Eastern Suburbs that turned up against Eastwood and got resoundingly beaten at home. 
Yeah, um, yeah. I, I reckon it'll be a closer game than people give it credit for, but I reckon it'll still be going to Eastern Suburbs. Well, Eastern Suburbs got almost, almost upset by Hunter on the weekend. They didn't, but, you know, yeah. it came very close. Mm. And Sorry, you go. No, no, it, and that was a really fascinating game. I think Hunter mm. are actually... That they have shown moments where they can really turn it on, um, and especially in that in that uh, when they when they thrashed the emus, which I think the emus were really off even um, that game. But I think that was the biggest win that the biggest uh, win that that Hunter had actually had, or that any team had had over the emus all season. So it's it'll be a really interesting game, and it'll be interesting to see how how the emus themselves turn around. But I would still pick East for this match. Yeah, I think uh, after that Hunter game, um, for what, yeah, I think at halftime it was, you know, something reasonably close and then Hunter just blew it out in the second half. <laughs> and it was funny because Hunter actually scored more points in the second half against Emus than Uni did all game against the Emus. So that, that was kind of their, their claim to fame for a little while there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, moving on, Two Blues and West Harbour. This is at Camden, uh, technically a Two Blues home game. Uh, but yeah, obviously taken away to Camden while we wait for Eric Tweedale Stadium to be ready, and it sounds like it's going to be another couple of months. West Harbour have been very good the last couple of weeks. Well, maybe <laughs> not so much last week, but prior to that, they were. Yeah, so West Harbour have had a bit of a depth issue, um, which has kind of often hindered them in in, in over the first couple of rounds. But you're, you're right; they have actually had a couple of moments where they've been able to produce uh, more eighty more complete performances. Hmm. I think that uh, that win against Hunter was a real uh, was a real positive. It, like it was a shot of confidence in the arm that they really really needed, and that also came through in their win against Manly, which yep. I think a lot of people didn't expect. There is a great team at West Harbour that is just really all, all they need is just wins under their belt, in mm. all honesty. Mm. And I think they'll sense a great opportunity here to get keep, get back in the hunt against uh, against Western Sydney, who I think are the only team that still are to win a game uh, this season so far. If I'm not, yeah, you'd be correct. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I and I'm amazed. I'm actually amazed that that's the case. I think there's a really really talented uh, group of players at in Western Sydney um, at the two blues again, but it's the same issue that they're, they're, they're dealing with is the same issue. The emus are, which is just having the ability to compete for the full 80 minutes, because mm. often it's often those cases where you have the blowout, but the blowout comes in the last, in the last 30, 20 minutes. Um, I reckon this will be a pretty close game. Uh, I think um, it'll be closer than most people, than most punters give it credit for. I You're still right. think that West Harbor will, uh, will, will take it. But not by much, honestly, not by much. Especially if Western Sydney turn up, if um, because I reckon they'll be they'll sense an opportunity to get a win themselves here, and uh, that'll be something I think will, that I think will benefit them greatly if they do finally get a win here. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree with it. I think we yeah, have West Harbour to get the job done ultimately. Um, but yeah, maybe may very well close in um, patches. Hunter and Eastwood. Now, Hunter, I thought, were very, very impressive. They played Sunday afternoon, so it's a six-day turnaround, a little bit different for them. Um, but they were very, very impressive against Eastern Suburbs. They were in it for a long period of the game. They were in it with, I think, 15 minutes to go. Then they got a yellow card, which kind of, you know, derailed their campaign as such. But um, I, I rate this Hunter team, and I think it may not come this week, but there's definitely an upset not too far away. I absolutely agree. What's great about this Hunter team is the physicality. The physicality, particularly uh, in forward pack and in the loose forwards, is excellent. And it's they and those guys are really kind of leading this team when it comes to kind of just throwing themselves into 
uh, these games with the mentality of trying to put together a complete performance and win. So what they're doing is I reckon there is a shot here of a potential win on the cards for Hunter if they just succeed in shutting down Eastwood's uh, attacking weapons because Eastwood's weapon, like their attack is really what is keeping them in the top of the ladder right now. I think their defense has uh, left a lot to be desired um, in terms of, uh, they've been always whenever they've got the ball, they're looking great. They're looking really fantastic. There's a lot of uh, opportunities coming there. They're asking plenty of questions of the defense. But then when they're defending, it has been quite variable. They showed some improvements in their loss to, to Northern Suburbs. Mm. Um, but it's uh, right now, it's just a matter of they really need to improve their defense if they want to uh, get in touch and be in, uh, be in the in the contention for the actual shield come grand final time. So I think I can see Hunter capitalizing on that. If they're able to, if they're able to put in a big defensive effort and shut down those attacking options, then the physicality of their forwards might actually put them in contention for this game. Um, And they're at home. And if they're at home this weekend as well, I think they're they're really, they're really showing themselves to be a lot harder to put away at home they're, mm. they're great to watch they, they come into games with the right sort of enthusiasm mm. i think uh, i hate to say go for eastern um go for eastwood on this one um because or like because i do i do think i do agree with you that an upset is on the cards very soon with this mm. underside um but right now it's a matter of defense on attack and i think uh, the attack of eastwood's attack is probably just more experienced had more to, more time to against strong opposition. It's uh, going to be a, it'll be I think it'll be a big ask if uh, if Hunter are able to shut down that uh, shut down that attack. So it's, Eastwood for me. It's kind of interesting about Eastwood because I think if you look at you know some of the games towards the back end of last year, it was their attack that you kind of had questions about. You know, and um, mm-hmm. uh, their their kind of strike power while their defense, mm-hmm. their physicality was so impressive so it's kind of you've kind of seen that complete flip there which is really interesting but hunter had some outstanding players on the weekend um joseva tamani i know i'm picking the obvious here but he was absolutely outstanding i think he made it into rugby news's team of the year so far um that was the only performance i think i've really noticed him but that was unbelievable and then there are a couple of other guys as well olu who on noah which is his name but a couple of others outstandingly good yeah, it's it, the thing with Hunter right now is they actually have the makings of a fantastic team that yeah. has the potential to be really competitive about three or four years down the track. Yep. Simple fact is they just haven't had enough game time together. I mean, they only, only had uh, 10 or 11 games last year, last season. Everyone played each other once. Uh, it, all they need is just game time, and I reckon that will come. Um, and that, and like I say, they're getting better and better every single week. So uh, that chance to that chance for that first win is on the cards. Whether they can do it against Eastwood or not, uh, I feel. You won't know until game day. I think Eastwood's attack is just a bit too strong, but you never know with Hunter. True. And that is the true, true. I think another thing that kind of makes me lean towards Eastwood is the fact that they. Uh, well, they're coming off the bye. And prior to that, they lost to Northern Suburbs by, I think, five. And then prior to that, they lost to Warringah. So they've not had a win for a month. They've not won since round four. So they're going to be hungry for it. Looking through some of the other games, kind of the tougher games to tip, I guess you could say. But um, Manly and Norths. Manly, I... Well, what, what what do you say about Manly that's positive? Do you know what I mean? Like they were down, I think, by 19 points in something like 10 minutes on the weekend. And I think by down by 14 in five minutes. Now they've got Norse at home. They've got to win this if they want to show that they've got any credibility at all. Yeah, well, 
when I say a, a whole bunch of other Jekyll and Hyde teams, this is the real Jekyll and Hyde team that uh, I'm seeing. Because I was I was pretty disappointed with, with Manly's uh, with Manly and Shushu last year, and it looks like in terms of at least their first grade, the moment that they lost by nearly 80 points to. Uh, to Gordon in the first round, I was like, oh dear, okay, we have some yeah. issues here. But they have shown that they have the potential to be competitive when they string game, when they string, you know, some phases of performances together and have ball in hand. The mm. problem is, is that when their back is against the wall and they find themselves a couple of points down, they're really slow to adapt. Yeah. Um, which you can't really afford to do with this Northern Suburbs side. I think if they're going to be competitive this weekend, they have to kind of get ready to like hit from the get-go it's going to have to be a fast attack from the get-go because if they don't if they start slow they'll be finding themselves chasing the game the whole time and northern suburbs this is a really good squad they've got a really good squad there's a lot of players there that oh, are insane, showing a lot. you know again like i mentioned earlier they're currently i think they're the only team that can really catch sydney uni right now and they will want to keep that momentum going they know that they have to keep that pressure on. So a win here is a is a is an absolute must. So I reckon they will turn up switched on for this. Mm. It's just the question of how, of what Manly does. Um, will they turn up and put in a complete a good performance, or will they will they have like what they did what they had with Sydney Uni just be completely blown off the park and suddenly be find themselves I mean, down really one of the game? If I was the Marlins kind of PR guy after the last round, I would point to the fact that they were down thirty five three at one point and kind of say, hey. That game could have gone anywhere from there. Instead, Manly scored, I think, 22 points uh, consecutively and got to a stage where they were down by 10 with half an hour to go and put themselves in, you know, a winnable position. But other than that, I don't know how how much you can kind of look at the season and how much you can kind of take away from it from a Manly. But, But yeah, I mean... You know, th- this is a huge, huge opportunity for them. So, who who would you go with in a word, Norse or Manly? I for me, it was it's Norse right now because mm. the, despite the fact that they are a little way behind Sydney, they're still to drop a game, and Norse are playing really well right now. I think mm. it's uh, so. I'm I'm going to stick with with the, with the Shawman for this one. They're just playing. I think right now depends which Manly side turns up. I can I can agree with that. Um, Manly tend to apparently treat this as quite a rivalry game, kind of their second rivalry um, along with Waringa. They kind of you know view Norse as sort of their um, territorial kind of um, foes, and that, that that's cool. Kind of adds to it a bit. Randwick and South now South um, in the first three weeks got out to a lead. And then either let that lead go. Oh no! So sorry. In the first three weeks, they um, let the other team get out to a lead, and then kind of throttled their way back. Uh, whether they won that or not was, you know, a different story. And then on the weekend, they burst out to a thirty-five to three lead, and then ended up not winning by a whole lot against Randwick. This is at Coogee. This is a chance for them to kind of say, "Hey, we're back." I agree. I agree. I think this is this is probably going to be one of the tightest games of the round. Um, mm. I think Souths have a lot of really really great potential and they've actually had that potential for quite a few years it's just i think a thing that really has affected uh south more than anything else is confidence they're not really they're not actually that far off the top of the ladder like they're you, you take one or two points like you take one or two things going their way um mm. they grab a win here a win there they actually would be uh, probably a, a contending with the top four teams um real yep. uh especially you know, with those, that, that close loss against Gordon as well, where they really showed uh, that they've actually got the chance to, to win. It's just they were really close out games 
piece and that actual experienced winning heads is really yeah. what they write down. Um, I reckon that will come. I reckon they'll, that the, the opportunity is there. They have been aware of that. I know they'd be trying to like recruit and get more depth for this season. And similar, I, I have found Randwick a little bit inconsistent um, in first grade. I think they have shown that they can put together a great performance. I would go for Randwick in this one, but only in home ground advantage purely. Not a lot separating these sides. And South's I think that- a re- Yes, Souths are really interesting at the moment, I think. Um, yeah, as you say, in the first kind of few weeks, it was sort of their experience that kind of cost them, the fact that they had so many young guys, um, yes. maybe not all that experienced closing out games. But then in just the last couple of weeks, they've kind of shown these, they've kind of blooded a lot of young guys and it's worked for them. They've seen, you know, players like Miles Thorogood, their um, fly half, who um, he, he's not their first choice, but he's playing really well for them at the moment. Kagias is on the wing, um, who's their normal fly half if they've moved out there and he's been outstanding. Um, Declan Barnett's been pretty good for them. Yeah, and Nasilla Silla. There are some players there. There's a, there's a, it is. There is a lot of, there is a lot of really good players there. And I know that you know, there's been a. The, the one thing that has hindered the Souths in the past has just been that depth issue. Um, mm. But there's a, I think there's a, re, there's a, a good sign that things are changing. And uh, I really hope. I kind of really hope that they, that they do make it come finals for all of these teams. Because I mean, the last time they actually won the Shoe Shield was when they were St George in 1952, I think it was. So Gosh. they are due. Seriously, due to break a to break a shoot shield duck. Yeah, look, they have had a lot of players there, and I mean, even down to like back when the uh, when the NRC was on and the Rams uh, were pulling players from southern districts. Even then, like in the following seasons, you'd have them finishing in second on the ladder mm. because they'd have the so your Brendan playing Ramoses and um, your Muggletons as well, just playing uh, playing there, and it was clear that that time, that extra game time that they'd had under the Rams was really uh, being reflected in improved shoot shield performances. I do think that on a good day, Randwick can match that in terms of it and the desire to win at home. You know, they, they always, Randwick are, uh, do ha- uh, do put on a better performance together at home. So I'm only going with Randwick purely on home field advantage, really. Um, there is not a lot separating these sides at all. And I would not be surprised if South's finally put together that complete performance and mm. actually pick up because they are due. I'll tell you that. They are really yeah. due. Oh, I, I think South's probably in, in a small margin um, for me here. Gordon Waringa. Now, Gordon haven't looked as, um, I guess you could say, flawless as they did last year. Waringa were looking pretty nice until last weekend when that kind of lost to uni, I think. <sighs> what did they do? Puncture their tyres? Kind of take that the, the wind out of their sails a bit. Um, I'm starting to get the vibe with Waringa that they might be a hell of a lot better at home than they are away from home. They might be flat track bullies at home. Away from home, they just struggle. I I, I don't know. That sounds harsh. But against Gordon, I, I have to go with the Stags. How, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, look, this is potentially uh, has the makings of being a match of the round for me. Mm. Um, I'm really impressed with Waringa so far. Last year was a very disappointing season for them. Um, I thought they really underperformed. Mm. And so far this season, until last weekend, and um, but that being said, against you know the likes of Sydney Uni, who again uh, their attack is just really good right now. Yeah. Um. They they really performed great. They like until that point, they've actually been really competitive themselves. They've shown to have a lot of weapons around the park. Mm-hmm. Um. And defensively, they've shown themselves to be quite structured. There's a bit more confidence. I do agree that the Stags uh, right now are not quite as firing on all cylinders as they were. With uh, Darren Coleman in charge. Um, mm. 
I would and I would agree that I think additionally it was the sheen was wiped off a bit considerably when they lost to North at home. I yeah. think it was in round two or three earlier this year. But they are still a competitive side and they are still, you know, in the, in the top six. Mm. And it, again, I do I do agree with you about this uh, the idea of how Rink travel. If they if they show up uh, and play the way they have been at home, there is a win here for them. There really is. There is a because you know while Gordon do have uh, they do have the heads there that uh, can see them home in those championship minutes. If Ringer play with enough flair and focus um, to shut Gordon out of the game, it'll be increasingly difficult for them to actually get back into it. So there is a win there. I reckon this is going to be a fantastic match and the uh, Stag and also Rat Faithful should get along uh, to Chatswood Oval for this one. I am-, I am so going to that game. I think, yeah, it could, could be absolute classic. But I think Gordon might just have it in the end. Yeah, I agree with that. But I reckon it'll be a really great game, particularly if the Rats uh, turn up to play. So it's a great venue to play at uh, Chatswood Oval, and I highly recommend uh, that everyone go along to that. It, but yeah, should be a great game, I reckon, Gordon, but uh, probably by less than seven. Yeah, agreed. Um, Nick Vasiliev, thank you for your time. Uh, cheers, mate. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, Nick Vasiliev there of Green and Gold Rugby on the Shoot Got Real podcast. And before him, uh, Scott Bubba Coleman from the Hunter Wildfires. That's all from us this week is the Shoot Got Real podcast. My name is Tom English. Uh, don't forget to subscribe. Find us on Facebook, like, follow, etc. at Shoot Got Real. And search for us on all your podcast platforms. Just search at Shoot Got Real. Next Friday morning, a new episode out. I will see you during the week on the Facebook page. Bye for now.